Hey there, it's Kate Swoboda, also known as Kate Courageous. I'm the creator of YourCourageousLife.com, the director of the Courageous Living Coach Certification at TeamCLCC.com, and I'm the author of the book, The Courage Habit, which is available at booksellers everywhere and of course at Amazon. And as you might have guessed, I'm the host of this podcast, the Your Courageous Life podcast. We're going to talk about going after what you want and living a more courageous, emotionally resilient life. I might drop a couple of F-bombs, so don't listen with your kids in the backseat. And here we go. Hello, everybody. It's Kate, and I'm super excited to talk about today's topic, which is going to be all about how you let things define you. I'm excited to talk about the topic because... It's been my experience, and so far I haven't met anyone who says differently, Um, but it's been my experience that everybody runs into some kind of challenges in life, right? You're not immune from that. I'm certainly not immune from that. Never met anybody who hasn't run into some kind of challenge. And, I mean, we can use the word challenge, but really... What I'm honestly talking about is deep, 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 really dark, very difficult stuff. In essence, bad things happen to good people. And that's really hard to reconcile because, I mean, first of all, we're all conditioned by, you know, the the marketing messages around us, I guess, that um, if you do everything right, bad things won't happen to you. And then also, it's a kind of comforting thought that we like to believe, right? We kind of cling to that idea as something of a security blanket, or at least a lot of people do. So when life doesn't quite work out the way that we had hoped, it can be very difficult to go, well, wait a second, I think I'm a good person, I'm trying my best, I did everything I thought I could, I made mistakes, but that's human. How can this really awful thing be happening to me? And the fact is that awful things happen at some point to everyone. And I believe that is the very definition of a sobering thought. The reason I'm bringing it up like this is not actually because we're going to stay in this place of talking about how sometimes, despite our best efforts, bad things happen. It's because I really want to normalize it for you and let you know that if you feel like life has handed you something of a shit sandwich, it's not because you're a bad person that bad things happen to. It's actually that very bad, challenging things do happen to everyone. As part of what I'll be talking about today, I am going to bring up the fact that years ago I worked for a rape crisis organization, so I just wanted to bring that up as a potential trigger warning, though I'm not going to be talking in any graphic detail about any of of that experience of working with that organization. But I did want to give people a heads up either way. I see today's podcast as being one where you'll get an opportunity to think about experiences that you've had and how you've let them define you and see if there's an opportunity for some redefinition. And I don't think that we should jump to redefinition, by the way. I don't think that when painful things happen in our lives, we should just go, love and light, love and light, love and light. I mean, if that works for you, if that genuinely does make you feel better, make you feel more grounded and resilient, um, that's totally fine. It's just that most of the clients I've worked with and I myself and most of the people I'm friends with, 
when bad things happen to good people, they actually need a space of empathy to really cry it out, to really feel the grief or the pain, to really process the hurt or the betrayal. So I don't want to give anyone the impression that today we'll be jumping to, well, you just, you know, let it, let it define, you define who you are. You just decide that you're powerful and that's all you need. No, I would never discount anyone's pain like that. And I think that when you've given yourself some time and space to process, at some point, a moment will usually arise where it's like, okay, I've been letting this define me in this way for a long time. And now I think I want to let it define me a little differently. So here we go. So I'll start off by sharing that years ago, I worked for a rape crisis organization. And it was really profound to work for this organization because when I was in training, the organization was very clear about something, specifically how we were allowed to talk about the people we served. The people, mostly women, who this organization served were survivors of assault, not victims of assault. And I'll always remember, they said, you know, when someone dies from a car crash, they're the victim of a car crash. And when someone lives, they are a survivor of a car crash. And it was so powerful because it's like embedded in that word, survivor, was everything that the organization believed about the healing that was possible for their clients, even after the trauma of assault. And, you know, that's not the only place where a little redefinition has come in handy. You know, I I at one point had dislocated a bone in my foot, in case you're wondering. No, it it doesn't feel good. Um, (laughs) If for some reason it just wasn't healing to a degree where I, I could walk normally for a while, um, to get back to running again, which I love. And, you know, I was waiting out this foot injury, walking around, you know, I was having to like sit on a a bar stool at my kitchen counter or kitchen sink in order to do my dishes. You know, I couldn't stand really. It hurt so much. And I was just like, ah, but I'm going crazy, not being active. So, you know what, I'll, I'll sign up with a personal trainer at the gym. I'll do some strength training while I can't really walk right now, I can't run, but I'll do this strength training. So I sign up for a personal trainer session at the gym and the guy says, oh, well, you know, once you get a foot, like a, a foot injury like that, you know, that'll never heal. And this is some, you know, 20 something dude who, you know, the benefit of hindsight all these years later, I'm like, yeah, you know, he spent most of his time checking his phone while I was repping. So he was not really very interested in supporting me through this. But the fact that he said that, well, once you get a foot injury like that, it'll never heal. I remember like, I, I, I felt, I felt, felt this, this fear go through me. It was like elevator dropping sensation of like, <gasps> you know, like, was that like never, ever? I felt kind of wild and kind of crazy. And at some point after ruminating on it for quite some time, thankfully, my deepest wisdom entered. Let's not give that kind of power to the guy who spent a few months in a personal trainer certification class. 
you know? Go see another doctor. And thankfully, that's what I did. I would later go on to hire the doctor um, because, you know, <laughs> medicine in the United States. Of course, the family doctor that I was initially referred to was just like, well, you know, stay off of it. Get some rest. And that wasn't really working. So I had to go find my own doctor, which was its own how will I let it define me? Will I let the doc what the do first doctor said be the be-all, end-all of this experience? Or will I go, you know what? I'm not accepting that. I'll look elsewhere. And I went on to hire a doctor who said to me, let's get you back to running again. And that is the doctor. Let me tell you, you want working with you when you have some kind of a foot injury. And from there, I went on to walk all over Europe and run races and complete half Ironman triathlons. And I'm thinking of another time, right? I, I was doing the ugly cry on the phone with my best friend, Valerie, and I, I was crying because someone else who I had considered a friend had said something deeply, deeply hurtful about me on social media, right? Talk about shitty things happening. And I was just ugly crying, and I, was, I, was, I remember saying to Valerie, it just hurts all the way to my heart that she would say that about me. And I, I was actually putting one of my hands over my heart. My heart actually felt tight. It was literally aching. And I was trying to catch my breath while I was crying. I was so upset. And Valerie just waited a few moments and she just was with me for a bit as I cried. And then she said, I know that right now this feels hard to do but I really want to invite you not to take on that label. The label that this other person had, had put on me on social media that I had found so painful. I mean, think about this. What beautiful words. I would really invite you not to take on that label. Where in your life has someone ever called you a bitch or said you're too controlling or otherwise said that something was wrong with you and you took on that label. They said it, so you assumed it must be true. Who are the people who raised you who might have done that? Who are the people who critiqued you and made you think you couldn't? And as I was processing this friendship breakup, I would hear Valerie's voice in my head as I was going through that, not just... I would really invite you not to take on that label. And what she meant was the choice, the opportunity was before me to define myself rather than take on a label and be defined by anybody else. And then my favorite story to tell of redefinition is actually this one. I was talking with someone about an autoimmune diagnosis that I had received. Years ago, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And I shared with them that I had decided, and I do mean I made a decision, that at some point I'm going to go in for the routine blood draws and the doctors are just going to find no evidence of an autoimmune disease whatsoever. It's just going to be inexplicably gone even though current medical research says this isn't possible. 
But the thing is, guys, it is possible. Someday, I'm going to run some blood work and nothing will be there. Nothing. I know this. This is not some law of attraction thing I tell myself, hoping for the best. Um, I'm aware of how I sound, by the way. Um, I feel really clear whenever I say this to people, that some people are very skeptical, and I'm just like, eh, they can be skeptical. I know what's true for me. It's what I wholeheartedly believe. I believe it like I believe that I am saying to you this, you know, this stuff now. I do not know how. I only know it is true that this will be my experience. And I got to tell you, coinciding with my decision about this, that this was my life and my body, and I get to decide whether or not that diagnosis will define me or my health or what I'm capable of, coinciding with that, I stopped being symptomatic. There are so many other examples I could share of how the way that we choose to define something, the power we give the label, the word choice we use can make all the difference. I think of money too, by the way. Um, when I grew up, there were periods of food insecurity, money was super tight, utilities being turned off. But I'm really grateful. I'm genuinely grateful because not having money and doing without being treated differently for not having money taught me so much about who I wanted to be and how I want to use money in the world to help other people. And I can just honestly say, you know, like Oprah wouldn't take nothing from a journey now, right? I'm not saying as well as Oprah. I'm aware of that. But still, the point being that I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it. So redefinition, the label that you adopt, how you let something define what you're capable of. You have a lot of choice about that. But here's where I'm going to tie it to what I said at the start of today's podcast. This is what I know to be true about getting to these places where the hurt, the pain, the setback, the failure will not define you. You have to process all the way through the stuff that hurts first. You have to process all the way through the pain first. I did not walk straight from the events that caused the pain over to saying, well, I'm just going to not let this define me because, you know, it just makes more logical sense that way. No. If you really want to get to a place where you and only you will define you, first you're going to need to pay your dues. That's just human. You'll cry and you'll ruminate and if you're like me when you're stressed out you'll get insomnia <sighs> I hate insomnia um, you'll probably scream into some towels you'll probably confess your deepest shame to your best friend that's what it looks like to pay those dues to go all the way through the pain I look back now and I think that there were years that I wasted spent in a sort of spiritual bypassy thing, hoping that if I was spiritual enough and good enough and I repeated all the right affirmations, I'd, I'd get there. I'd just, you know, boom, it'd just be gone. The pain or the suffering or the grief or the disease or whatever. And these days, anytime I'm confronting something hurtful or painful, I, I really try to save myself time. It's not easy. But I try to be very conscious and save myself time. And for me, that looks like this. And you are welcome to try this out for yourself, too. When you're hurt, 
cry. <laughs> when you're angry, rage. Don't rage on other people, but like grab a pillow and scream the F-bomb until you can't scream it anymore. And basically, when you're in it, be in it. When you're hurt, you cry. When you're angry, you rage. When you're in it, you be in it. And you don't have to do it alone. There are so many people who can support you in this to make sure that you don't get stuck in some kind of an emotional quicksand. You know, you don't have to do this alone. There's not a rule about it, but it's about the authenticity of the grief or the pain or the challenge that you feel. When you're hurt, cry. When you're angry, rage. When you're in it, be in it. Now, there's a lot of coaching out there that really relies on reframing. And reframing can be very powerful, but when you move straight into reframing, it becomes a strategy. And strategies can often be cheap. So it's like the coaches move their clients straight into reframing. So, you know, client says, I had this really awful experience and the coach starts going, well, what was that there to teach you? What were the gifts in that experience? What's a new story you could tell that wouldn't limit you anymore? Now, again, reframing is admittedly very powerful and even necessary, I think. But there's a reason why in The Courage Habit, my book, or when I train life coaches through Courageous Living Coach Certification, I talk first about practicing courage through the body, through accessing the body. Feeling the feelings has got to come first. Fear is not logical. It's primal. You feel fear in your body first. It's our minds that turn it into the stories and into the narratives that we use to make meaning. If you jump too quickly to try to convince yourself that a shit sandwich isn't really a shit sandwich, you're going to end up eating a shit sandwich and forcing yourself to smile. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. That's how I've always felt when someone tries to coach me towards redefinition and power and vision before I've had any room to receive some empathy for the very real hurts of the experience. And in case you want to add to your uh, coaching or sorry, your podcast obsession, uh, the Craft of Coaching podcast is another one that I do that is completely and totally devoted to as you might guess from the title, The Craft of Coaching. And this is something I talk about in that podcast, why coaches need to stop trying to push their clients towards pithy affirmations and instead come up with ways of helping clients to process their pain. So here's where we, we land with that. How you let any person or circumstance or experience define you is up to you. But it's important not to try to bypass the pain so that you don't unintentionally become a victim of the pain. Reframing is a strategic move when it's what you jump to. It's a powerful move when you have truly been supported in feeling what's authentic and real for you. When I think about how I've gone through this process of defining myself, and when I think about what I've witnessed with coaches, and what I think about when we've supported people in the team CLCC cohorts, I think about how who I've surrounded myself with has made all the difference. Because sometimes we get lost in that fearful place, right? And when we get lost, we need someone else to go, hey, 
over here, over here. Don't get lost over there. You know, it's like I need the friends who let me cry versus the trainers who make the flip pronouncements. And as you get older and more practiced, your picker is going to get better for who you let around you, which does really help. But if this resonates with you at all, I got to tell you, I think the most helpful thing I've found in not letting something define me has been to get to the core. The most difficult emotions that a person or a circumstance brings up for me. I think that if you give yourself the space to process through the very real pain that you feel, you can clear your head. You can arrive faster at the really important business of truly not taking on the label. If you want to be a survivor and not a victim, you need to spend some time in the very real feelings of having been victimized. That's actually part of the transmutation. So how will you let it define you? That's the question that comes later, after you've been real about the pain. That's how you emerge triumphant. So here's hoping that today's episode gave you some serious food for thought. Maybe after you hop off of your uh, headphones here, you could go over to a piece of paper, write down like three experiences that for you felt like really pivotal experiences that changed the way you thought of yourself or that maybe had you rein yourself in or be afraid to try again. You know, those times that maybe you created some art, showed it to someone, they belittled it, so you didn't create any art anymore. Or maybe you went through a rejection in a relationship, divorce, breakup, and it's been hard to put yourself out there again. What are the labels you've taken on from those experiences? How have you let those experiences define you? And is there any room in there for you to step into a redefinition? Because even though a situation might victimize you, and that's very real, you can step out of that and into survivor mode by processing through it. And I think you'll be really, really amazed at what you can create for yourself in that space. As always, I love, love, love doing the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that we can connect on social media, Kate Courageous on Instagram, Your Courageous Life on Facebook. And if you want a bunch of bonus resources that come with this podcast, head on over to yourcourageouslife.com forward slash begin and sign up for the newsletter and you will get access to an entire library of amazing audios, videos, worksheets. I got it all for you, baby. Thank you so much for listening as always. And here's to you and your redefinition.